Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, I've been doing a series called Stand Firm. And um, I actually got the clicker back today. Troy's not here. I've been ungrounded. How many of you remember being grounded when you were a kid? I never was, but I, I mean, some of you probably were. I used to spend marking periods grounded. <laughs> but I want to do this series, and I'm going to tell you something. Let me, let me share with you a little bit of a, a personal journey. It's kind of funny. This was not part of the reason in which I'm doing this series, but as I'm doing this series, it is becoming abundantly clear to me that God is preaching to me as well. Amen? How many know you can't go to this? Listen to me. How many know you cannot go to the Scripture with an open heart and not get something for your life? I'm going to tell you something. I will make you a promise that there isn't a Sunday you come in here with an open heart that you won't leave with something from God. Not because Pastor Jim might be a great preacher or a horrible preacher, but the Word is the Word. The Word is the Word. I can speak the Word to you in the most mundane fashion, and the Word is still the Word. Amen? So the Word of God always, always will speak into your heart. All right? But as I've been doing this series, Standing Firm, uh, it is becoming clear to me that God is speaking to me as well to stand firm. I, I, I've said to you many times, and I'll just kind of say it again to you a little bit, that this latest project that we have taken on with the Nehemiah Project, which is the right school, has by far been the most challenging project that I have done in the last 20 years. All right? And I have come to realize that there's a number of reasons for that. But one of those is, and I will not dismiss this, nor will I blame everything on it, but there's a reality. And that reality is that there is a spiritual war that is raging in the heavenlies to stop and hinder what God wants to do in and through that building. There ain't no if, ands, and buts. I have talked to the Sambalat spirit, which I call, I'll continue to teach it on, out of Nehemiah. I have talked to the uh, spirit of the ten spies. Can't work, won't work, can't do it. Da, 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 da. I have been mocked. I have been ridiculed. I have had a number of things. I have had people that I know who have conspired against that project. Now, listen to me. It's not about the people. It is about the Spirit works through the people. Okay? And so, um, and, and, and what it creates in the midst of it is uncertainty. You see, because we're in this place, I just did some writing on it this week, where we are living in what is, what is, with a view on what will be, right? And what happens is, between what is and what will be is this chasm. And in this chasm are challenges and obstacles and hurdles that create uncertainty, that can cause moments of doubt, moments of frustration. And it's in this moment that you have to make a choice. I'm gonna stand firm on what God has told me, or I'm gonna quit, or I'm gonna back up, or give up. It will test your faith. Those ten, I feel like I can preach a whole other message here. Those 10 spies went into that promised land with two other guys. When they came out of the promised land, they saw what would be what was promised. The problem is they were living in the what is. 
with a view of what would be. But the problem is when they saw what is, they said, we cannot do it, we won't do it. They're too strong, it'll never happen. So in this chasm, rather than standing firm by faith, they went back to this rather than allowing God to take them to this. And this chasm, faith has to rise up and you have a choice to make. And I believe that God is ministering to me in the midst of all this, stand firm. Stand firm. Just stand firm. Uh, I'm, I'm hot today. Huh. Well, I mean, hotter than usual, you know. Listen. And so there's times in your life, listen to me let, me, let me speak to you for a moment. There are some of you right now, you're living in the what is with a view of what will be, what could be, what God has shown you, but you're not there. And when you're living in the what is with an eye on the what will be, how many know it can build frustration in your life? All right? And it builds frustration and it builds all kinds of things. I want to say to you this morning before I preach anything else, stand firm, fix your eyes, fix your eyes on what will be that what God has said, and I promise you that what will be will come one day and will be there. Two spies that said we should go in and take the land. How many know 40 years later, they walked in what they saw 40 years earlier? And so I say to you this morning before I preach any message, God is saying, when you're in the between, the what is and the what will be, stand firm, and the what will be will come to pass. That is a totally free message, something totally else. Amen. <laughs> Let me talk to you this morning. We've been talking about this series, and we're going to start with it, and we're going to read this scripture every time we preach on it, that Paul says to the Ephesians, finally, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on, how many know we have no strength on our own? How many know we stand in his strength and his power? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, his methods, his schemes, his trickery, his deceit. For our struggle, which we've said every time, for our struggle, our wrestling match is not with human flesh. It's not with flesh and blood. It's with what? It's with rollers, the authorities, all right, the authorities, the rollers, authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen to me, folks. Paul would not have wrote this if it was not true. There are spiritual powers that war against you, all right? He says this, he goes on and he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, Stand, all right? Stand firm. How do I stand firm? It's an interesting thing I noticed about this scripture this week. It's kind of funny. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. And he wrote all the different things. He wrote the fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, and all these different things. But when he told us to stand firm, notice what he didn't say. And this is sometimes, I think, a message to the, a reminder to us Pentecostals, us Charismatics. He never, he never mentions a gift. He didn't say stand firm in the gifts. He says stand firm. A lot of times we're, we're running around looking to try to stand firm and we need a gift. We need a, the gift of this, the gift of that, okay? And I love the gifts. I love to see the gifts in operation. I love the prophetic. I love exhortation. I love to see healing. I love the gifts. But Paul never mentioned the gifts in the things in which we stand firm. 
What he did say was, you stand firm in truth, the belt of truth. How many know that truth always defeats the lie of the enemy? Stand, tr stand firm with righteousness in place. Stand firm with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We've already talked about standing firm. We've already talked about truth. We've already talked about righteousness. And today I want to talk to you about standing firm in peace. How many know we have a world that is absent of peace? How many know we have a world that's got a lot of unrest in it? I mean, you got people shooting cops in Philadelphia and other places, and you got bad cops doing things they shouldn't do. You got nations raging against nations. You got all this stuff, right? And so Paul was writing in this context about standing firm in the day of evil and doing it with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let me start with a scripture found in Romans chapter three. If you can turn there for a moment with me, we're gonna kind of jump through a few scriptures this morning. I wanna take you on a journey because here's what I understand, I want you to know this morning. How many of you have ever wrestled with peace? How many of you have ever had a situation or a circumstances you've wrestled with peace? How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever wrestled in your spiritual life with a lack of peace, All right? And let me read this scripture to you found in Romans chapter three. Paul says in verse 10, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. Listen to me. And the path of peace they have not known. And the path of peace they have not known. You know why we lack peace sometimes in our life? Because we got off the path. Anybody get off the path? You know why the world, many of the world who don't know peace? Because they don't know the way of peace. And what is the way of peace? Well, let me sum it up to you for a moment. The path of peace, it starts and ends here. The path of peace is Jesus. The path of peace, listen to me, I could take you and I could just spend all the rest of my sermon on this one subject, this one thing. The path of peace is Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus is peace. All right? And so understand something this morning. If you're looking for peace in your life outside of the name of Jesus Christ, good luck. True peace, I'm talking about true peace. If you're looking for peace outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, good luck, because you'll never have it because true peace is only found through Jesus Christ. All right, now, let me take you on a little journey this morning. All right, I wanna take you on a journey. I'm gonna talk to you about how we get some peace and how it kind of manifest through our life and what does it do for us? And I'm just gonna take you on this journey with me for a moment. All right, so here we go. We're gonna begin, first of all, with this statement right, or this scripture right here. All right, Colossians. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him. How many know this morning that all the fullness of God we can see in Jesus Christ? If you wanna know, I've told you before, you wanna know what God looks like, thinks like, acts like, you read Jesus, all right? All right. Think about this, for, okay? And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now get this this morning. So God said that he was pleased 
to have all the fullness dwell in Christ. And it was through Christ that God would reconcile the world to himself. Now, how many know we were at odds with God? We were um, separated from God. Sin separated us. All right, watch what he goes, he goes on. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. How many of you know this morning, there was a time in your life before Christ, you were alienated from God? Now, I know some of you probably don't think that. You think you were born saved. Which means you can get saved today because you probably never got saved yet. The truth of the matter is, every inclination of your heart from childbirth was evil. The truth of the matter is, you were wicked and evil, even if you never done what you classify evil and wicked things. You, you could have been at one time in your life the biggest gang-banging criminal drug addict in your life and gotten saved. Or maybe you were a self-righteous religious person. How many know both in need of the same salvation? And both were separated from God, alienated from God. And then what God did was reconcile to himself. But now, but now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So let's take that scripture. And here's the first point I want you to know this morning. Because listen to me, everything else flows off of this point right here. All right, first and foremost, I stand firm because I have peace with God through Jesus Christ. You know how many people are looking for peace in this world and they're trying to do it without having peace with God? Do you know how many people want the peace of God without having peace with God? Like, like you can't have the peace of God in your life until you have peace with God. All right? And I'm going to tell you something to you this morning. That, 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 what does that peace look like? I will tell you there's a couple things in just a moment. But one of those is when I come to a place through Christ where I now have peace with God, how many know condemnation for my past life is gone? I'm no longer living in the torment of condemnation. I'm no longer living in it. The Holy Spirit will convict me of sin, but I have moved beyond condemnation. If condemnation and fear is in your life, that is not of God, that is of the enemy. But when I come to him through Christ, now fear and condemnation leave my life. Right? Okay. Now, let's talk about this. I stand firm because I have peace with God through Christ. What separated me from God? Sin. How many of you believe that when God created Adam, Adam was at peace with God? Absolutely. He was at peace with God. I mean, we're talking about Adam created in the image of God, the likeness of God, the mandate of God upon his life, the blessing of God in his life. In the garden where everything was perfect until Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, how many know unrest entered into his life? How many know when Adam sinned, it broke the peace that he had with God? Adam was at peace with God until Adam chose to sin against God. What happened? God comes and sees, what have you done? What have you done? And now, what does he do? He must drive him from the garden. He must drive him from his presence. Why? Because sin had created this barrier. Sin had created this unrest. Sin had created this hostility. It was hostility in the heart of Adam that sinned against God. The Bible says that, they, that what? He became separated from God because of his sin. Unrest, now watch this. Unrest with God 
is a result of imperfect men. Any imperfect men here? <laughs> hey, look to that person next to you that didn't put their hand up. And you just look at them and you just say, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, like excuse, just do one of these. Excuse me? Right? Uh, unrest with God is a result of imperfect men. Watch this being unable to keep the good and perfect moral law of God. When you look into the scripture, Adam was given a law by God, he broke it. And the law that he gave him was good. The law that he gave him was protective. Do not eat from that tree. For when you do, you will die. You don't need to know the knowledge of good and evil. And yet man wanted it, right? So he could not keep the very first moral law of God. Then later on, God gives a law to Israel we call the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God. How many know they could not keep that moral law? And because they could not keep that moral law of God, there was a lack of peace and there was unrest between God and man. All right? Now, here's, what, here, here's what's so great. Until Jesus, until the fullness of time when God sent his son to do what? To die for you and I. Because look what happened. This is what happens. Christ was able to make peace on our behalf because he defeated sin. And how did he defeat sin? Because he was the only one able to keep the perfect moral law of God. He was sinless. He was spotless. He became the Lamb of God. You see, what we could not do, what man could not do, Christ did. And because Christ could do it, he defeated sin. And when he defeated sin, he was the one that could keep that moral law. And now God accepts him. And how many know we get accepted through him? Hmm? It's kind of like this. I belong to a golf club. And I have a, last week we played in a member guest tournament. Right? And so I took a guest. Because I'm a member, the guest gets to come to the tournament with me. The only way to get in there is because of me. So I took my son-in-law. <laughs> ain't no guest. <laughs> I live with him. But see, the point is, he got to go to that event. He got to eat the lunch. He got to play the golf. And he got to eat the steak dinner at the end, all because he came through me. How many know this morning that I got what I got because I'm coming to God through Jesus, not me? Yeah. And so, and what it, does, what it does is it frees me from works trying to obtain the righteousness of God, which then produces an unrest in me because I can't do enough. Man, have you ever wondered, have I done enough? Have I done enough? I, 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 oh, man. Oh. I mean, I golfed yesterday. It was ugly. Golfed the worst round I've golfed in a year. And I was with that guest. And let me tell you something. I was not a happy camper. And if I was living on this yo-yo salvation ride where I'm in, I'm out, I might have been out at the moment. <laughs> Anybody ever had a day like that? Obviously, you don't golf. Christ, he made peace for me with God because he's the one who defeated sin. Christ 
made peace with God for me because he was more than fulfilling the law. He was the fulfillment of the law, not the moral law, the ceremonial law. You see, the ceremonial law was put in place because man could not keep the moral law. Because man could not keep the moral law, law, God put a ceremonial law in place where now you had priests and you had offerings and you had sacrifices and you had blood sacrifices that were now shed so that man could have peace with God for a season. But Christ, what Christ did, he came and he kept the moral law and he fulfilled the ceremonial law and I now live in peace with God. Man, I love Jesus. Amen? Now, now think about this. He kept this. He, so now, here's the deal. I have peace with God through Christ. I stand firm because when the enemy comes with condemnation, when the enemy comes trying to put me on a guilt trip, when the enemy comes and wants me to walk in shame, when the enemy wants to come and tell me I'm this, I'm that, what I do is I'm standing firm. I stand firm in peace because Jesus is the one that is the path of peace that I come to the Father through. I don't come through you. I don't come through my own works. I don't come through my own righteousness. And I have peace with God because of Jesus. There's a lot of people trying to have peace with God, trying to find it some other way. All right? Now, okay, let me move on. Say, please do. Okay. So I have peace that comes from God. Through, it, with God through Christ. But then what happens in my life is now I stand firm because I have peace from God. Okay? When I'm in relationship with him, now what comes into my life is peace that comes from him. Eric, my guest, got into the course through me. But the reason he got in, because he has relationship with me, and he got something from me because he was in me. Get it? Good. I didn't. All right. I said this earlier. Before we can have the peace of God, we must be in peace with God. You're trying to get something from God when you need to be in relationship with God. All right? It, 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 God's not friends with benefits. Oh, you're like, oh my gosh, he just went there? Yeah, I did. All right? In relationship, you now get from him. Watch what, I want to show you how this happens. So Jesus is looking at his disciples. He's getting ready to die. He told them he's leaving. He told them he's going to die. And it causes unrest in them. Here's what he said to them. I'm going to read you some scriptures. First of all, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. That's in John 14. Let me show you another scripture in the book of John. It says this. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? That this portion of scripture says to me that Jesus looks at them and he says to them, peace be with you. And he said, and when he said that, he laid his hands up, he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How many of you think the Holy Spirit and peace might be intricately related? Hmm? Well, 
if you don't believe me, let me take you to a scripture. Whoops, back up. I got, I, got, I got a scripture I got to tell you first. First of all, let me go back to this other one. I stand firm because the presence of Jesus is the peace of Jesus. You ever have anybody in your life that just brings peace into it? We all have those ones who bring conflict. <laughs> we all have those ones that bring trouble. It's like, oh no, here they come again. How many of you have something you see them and you just know there's a, they just bring peace to your life, right? All right. The presence of Jesus in my life doesn't mean everything is perfect but it does mean I have peace because of his presence. Jesus was in their presence, and it was his presence that brought them peace. Now, let me move on. But the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, Jesus said what? He said, peace be with you. Remember, he gave them peace, and then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if we go to Galatians, we see the connection. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, right? Now, think about this. How does this work? How does this work? It works like this. I come to God through Christ Jesus. I come to him in salvation. When I come to him in salvation, now Jesus, the Bible tells me, makes a deposit in me. The deposit in me is called Holy Spirit. And now Holy Spirit is resident in my life. And when he's resident in my life, now there is fruit from that relationship in his residence, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, and self-control, right? And so now think about this. I stand firm, right? Because the peace of Jesus is fruit of Holy Spirit within us. These aren't just words on a page, folks. These are truth of God's scripture for us. Listen, some of us lack peace. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because you're looking for a feeling. Can I tell you this morning, you need to get peace that's founded upon the word of God. We've we got a lot of charismatic Pentecostals looking for willy-nillys all the time when the truth of God's word is the thing that produces firmness in our life. All right, but, but listen to me. So, so the, this is what the scripture says. I stand firm because Jesus, the peace of Christ, is fruit of the Holy Spirit within me. But how does that work? I'm gonna keep going. Paul says this, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. How many know that you will be a byproduct of how you think? But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Now think about this. When you look at this passage of Scripture, what does it tell us? It tells us that Jesus died. When he died, he made peace with God for me. And now I have peace with God. And now he puts Holy Spirit in our life. And the Holy Spirit in our life is the peace of God that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. But how does that work? Now, how many of you know I need to cooperate with the Spirit of God whom dwells within me? I need to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. I will promise you any time in my life that there's been unrest over situations and circumstances that when I take myself and I avail myself to the Spirit of God, there is a peace that comes into my life that was not there prior to that. But when I set my mind according to my flesh, how many ever think on the things of your flesh? 
anger, hostility, resentment, bitterness, whatever it might be, that all of a sudden there's an unrest that is churned up because those things are products of the flesh. The flesh never creates peace because how many know the flesh is at war with the spirit? So now the Bible says what? That I set my mind, and how do I set my mind? Listen to me. And how do I set my mind on the spirit? How many know my mind needs renewed? And how is my mind renewed? I'm glad you asked. It is renewed by the word of God. It is renewed by the word of God. There is a lack of peace in Christianity because there is a void of the word of God in Christianity. We have a wordless church. We operate according to our emotions and our flesh and our circumstances and our situations, but we, and, we, and we're looking for a prophet, we're looking for an apostle, we're look, and they're all well and good and are part of the body of Christ. But the word of God is always part of your life. And it will renew your mind so that your mind is now on the things of the spirit and is in conjunction with the spirit. I would suggest to you this morning that if there's a lacking of peace, I would suggest our mind needs renewed. I would suggest we need the word in it that renews our mind. And then there's another scripture that Paul talks about. Anybody here ever been anxious? Anybody, how many have ever been anxious? Worried? Well, Paul said, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Great. Great. I just, I just admitted I'm anxious. And he brings a scripture that says, don't be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. But there, are, but there are things that cause anxiousness. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And then something happens. And what happens is, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, guards my heart and guards my mind. Paul said, don't be anxious. Come to God in a spirit of thankfulness with prayers and supplications and requests. And I can stand firm because peace is a product of prayer. Because what is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is fellowshipping with God. Prayer is speaking with God. Prayer is hearing from God. And how many know that God is a father and the father is going to speak to you and father is going to bring peace into your life because no father ever lets their children live in anxiousness. No father ever says, oh, well, suck it up, buttercup. Well, I might have said that a time or two. There's, there are moments where you just need to suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> right? But, but all of a sudden, the peace of God, because what happens is, I come to him in thanksgiving, I come to him with prayer, I come to him with my request, and, and, and I, now I'm not anxious because the Bible says that God gives me peace that protects my heart. It's protecting my heart, it's protecting my mind. So that now... It's guarded against the enemy who's warring against it. Isn't God so cool? Now I have the peace. Uh, we're talking about having the peace of God in our life. Let me say this to you. 
I stand firm because I had, to, I had this earlier. I set my mind on the spirit of God, not on my flesh. But let's just, for the, Paul said in Romans, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Paul was confronting the do's and don'ts of Christianity. You got to do this. You can't do that. You can't drink this. You can't eat that. You got to eat this. You got to eat that. How many, know that's works of, that's, how many know that's works of legalism? And works of legalism always cause unrest because you never know if you're in or out. Okay? And he's confronting that. Say, whoa, whoa, whoa. The kingdom of God ain't a matter of what you eat and what you drink. But rather it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see? Because this is what you got to understand. We stand firm. We stand firm because peace is the culture of the kingdom of God, which I am in and is in me. The kingdom is a culture of peace. The Bible says, uh, the Bible says that when I come to Christ, you see, because how many remember the gospel, the good news? What was the good news that John the Baptist preached? The good news of the kingdom of God. What was the good news that Jesus preached? The good news of the kingdom of God. What was the good news that the apostles preached? Repent for the, good, the kingdom of God is at hand. It was, again, I'm gonna say this to you again and some hate it when I say it, but I don't care. It was never the good news of Calvary. It was always the good news of the kingdom. Calvary was access to the kingdom of God. The totality of the good news message is the kingdom that I live in the kingdom now. The kingdom now lives in me. The kingdom of God is a culture of peace. If the kingdom of God is a culture of peace, how many know that peace lives in me and I live in it? Now, I'm almost done another hour out of here. I'll wrap it up. So, so here's what I know. Paul says, you're in a battle. And this battle is not with flesh, it's with principalities. It's with forces of darkness that war against you, that's struggling, that's trying to, as I said before, that word means to grab you by the neck and hold you down and render you defeated. Right? Is it in that struggle you stand firm? And the way that you stand firm is with this armor. And one of those is peace. You stand firm in peace. So now... I know I have peace with God through Christ. And with God, when I have peace with God, now I have the peace of God in my life. All right? Now, okay, so watch this. I stand firm because I have peace with God and from God. But this is really important because here I get to flesh it out. And now I stand firm because I have peace with men. If you have peace with God, Peace with God and from God should produce peace with men. If you are always at odds with men, I would suggest to you that you need a refilling of the peace of God in your life. I would suggest to you this morning that if you are one that's always in conflict, you're always in... How many got some of that in your life? Never mind, don't raise your hand. I've been around some people, and I'm talking to people who are saying they're Christians. They're always in conflict. How are you always in conflict with people if the peace of God is in your heart? How? 
I know, I know, the 7,500 people that you had odds with, it's all, about, it's all their fault. How many know it's not all their fault? How many know it might dictate a change in you? Hmm? Think about this for a moment. Peace with God and from God should produce peace with men. But I want to say this before I go any farther. I can live in peace with men even when there are men who don't live in peace with me. Don't make the mistake of thinking everybody lives in peace with you. There are some people, I got, I got to tell you something this morning, ready? There are some people just don't like you. <laughs> I, I got to give you a newsflash. I know this is hard to believe. All right? I'll give you a newsflash. I, I, this is going to stretch your imagination, I know. There are some people just don't like me. I, I don't see how. But I've been working on her for 30 some years and she still don't like me. She loves me. <laughs> there are some people that resent you. There are always gonna be some people who may be jealous of you. There may have been people that you have wronged and you have tried to ask forgiveness of. They won't give it, all right? But can you in your heart and in your mind still be at peace with them? The answer to that is yes. You say, how do I know that? Because I got this guy in the Old Testament. You might have heard of him. His name was King David. How many know Saul hated him? Saul wanted to kill him. Saul was jealous of him. Saul chased him down. Saul threw spears at him. Saul used the army. He had to hide in caves. How many, how many of you, maybe you're a little bit more like me than David, that if some dude that you've been fighting for, you've been serving, throws spears at you, tries to trick you, takes your wife from you, uses your wife against you, chases you with the army, causes you to go hungry, causes you to go around. How many of you might have killed him when you had the chance? <laughs> Listen, I've seen some of you over smaller things. Right? How many of you might have just said, man, this is my chance, I'm taking that sucker out. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, David, don't you touch him. And then, and I wasn't going to touch him. Then, they, then his, his, his men said, we'll kill him for you. They said, no, you won't. Why? Because David, because of the spirit of God in him, was able to be at peace with Saul, even though Saul was not at peace with him. I told you before, Saul became David's enemy, but David never became Saul's enemy. You can have peace with men, even when they don't have it with you. I mean, you don't have to walk around in malice towards him. You don't have to walk around in bitterness towards him. You don't have to walk around with resentment towards him. You don't have to allow the enemy to steal your peace over them. Okay, I'll stop meddling. Paul said this in Colossians. Let the peace of Christ roll in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God roll in your heart. That means to govern. It actually has the term that associated with umpiring. Now, how many of you like being in the umpire? Yeah. yeah. Don't ever want to be an umpire in a little league game, though. Your parents are crazy. <laughs> Y'all crazy. Y'all think they're all Babe Ruth right off the bat. <laughs> all right. But he said, it, what he's saying is, allow the peace of God to be the rolling factor of your life. Let it be the decision maker 
of your life. Let it be the governor, the controller, the director. Let it be that which governs your life. Okay? And when I allow it to govern my life, I don't have to be at odds with that person even if they're at odds with me. All right? Paul goes on and he says this in chapter 14 of Romans. He said what? So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Peace is a pursuit of men who have peace with God. When I have peace with God and I have the peace of God, I as a believer am called to pursue peace. That I do everything it takes to pursue it. I mean, you know, sometimes it takes pursuing. Sometimes it's hard to catch, isn't it? Right? But he's talking about in our relationships. Because you'll never have true relation, peace with people until you have peace with God and the peace of God. And listen to me. Part of the reason they don't have peace with you is because they're out of peace with God. And you're expecting, I mean, it's, it drives me crazy sometimes still when we act, we expect unbelievers to act like believers. Although sometimes there are some unbelievers that act better than believers. Peace is a pursuit of men who have peace from God, with God and from God. And now I pursue it. You see, here's what I, here's what I saw in Scripture. And as I read this, you see, I, I want you to, I want you to hear, hear this, see this right here. Peace with God is a gift of God to me Peace of God is a gift of God to me. And peace with men is me sharing God's gift with others. Here's what God did. Hey, through my son Jesus, I'm going to give you the gift of peace with me. And through my son Jesus, I'm going to give you the peace of God and put my Holy Spirit in you. It's mine given to you. Just like Nehemiah said what? The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. It's his joy that he gives to me that becomes my strength. All right? Now what happens? Peace. Peace. Someday I'll get through puberty, all right? Peace is a gift from God because it comes with a salvation gift. And peace of God is a gift that it gives me through the Holy Spirit. But now, when I live in peace, I'm sharing that gift with other people. Do you know that you can actually be the peace of Christ in some situations and circumstances. Do you know you can be that? You're sharing what he shared with you. I'm almost done. Another 40 minutes. Peace with men is me sharing with others what God has shared with me. It's so cool. It's so cool. You see, because remember, I want to take you back to this. The kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom produces peace with God, from God, and with men. It is the good news. Remember the gospel of peace? The gospel of peace is the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom produces peace with God, from God, and with men. You see, you stand firm, believer, you stand firm today. Why? Because you stand in the culture of the kingdom, not of this world. 
I have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I have inherited a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, if it cannot be shaken, I stand firm in the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we do not get our peace from this world. We do not get our peace from this, this, this nation we live in, right? We stand in peace because peace in this world is not a product of this world. It is a product of the world above. Where are you trying to get your peace from this morning? Where are you trying? Is it absent? How'd you sleep last night? Was there some that didn't sleep because you were anxious, worry, fear, or just ate too much pizza? I slept on the deck the other night. My wife opens the door in the middle of the night. What are you doing? I said, I'm camping. <laughs> you all know how much, and you all know how much I love camping. She says, didn't you get eat up by bugs? I said, no. I had a blanket on. It's a covering. It's protecting me. I live in a world that tries to consume me. But I have a protection not of this world. It's called the kingdom of God. That protects me from the onslaught of the enemy. Come on, Linz. If you're here for baptism, I'm going to ask you to go get ready. Meet me down here in a couple minutes. Peace in this world, back up, is not a product of this world. It is a product of the world above. Paul said, let me go back. Therefore, put on the armor of God so you can stand. How am I standing today? I'm going to stand in the peace of God. I'm going to stand in the peace of God. I stand in the peace of God because there's a path to peace. That path is Jesus. If you've tried it any other way, good luck. It ain't happening. That path of Jesus is one that leads you. I remember years ago, I'll tell you a little story because I have to buffer time because they're getting ready. <laughs> we went to Mexico on a missions trip many, many years ago. And we went to the, they said, you want to go to the ocean? You want to go to the beach? Yeah, let's go to the beach. How long does it take to get there? Oh, 30 minutes. I found out everything in Mexico takes 30 minutes. <laughs> Even if it takes an hour, 30 minutes. So we all jump on this fishing boat because we're on a fishing village of, in Chicola, Mexico. And we go an hour, 30 minutes, to the beach where literally there was nobody there. They take the boat, they back it in. Okay, jump off. You got to jump off and swim to the beach. All right. So we swam. We had a great time. It was awesome. Had fun. Then they said, okay, you want to go? You want to go wash off the salt water? Yep. Okay, we'll take you. How far? 30 minutes. Okay. Hour later. <laughs> hour later, we saw. Now we get, to, we get there to this place. And they pull the boat into shore. And there's nothing but weeds. And there's nothing but stuff. But there was a path. And so I'm thinking, now my mind is thinking, oh, they got a shower somewhere. So you walk back the path. And we're following the path. And sometimes it was mud. Sometimes it was a wood plank. I'm like, Lord, where are we going? So all of a sudden, we got to where they were leading us through the path. And there was this beautiful, Paul, you remember? You were there? 
Were you at the beach on that? No, you weren't at that trip. That was another trip you were on. And it was this beautiful, huge pool of crystal clear water that was about 12 feet deep that you could see down to the bottom, just like you could see from here to the back of that wall. It was so clear. It was all fresh water. It was called sweet water. And man, you jumped in there and it was so refreshing and it was so awesome and it was so cool. And we played around there for a long time. But the way we got there to get the salt of us, off of us was to follow a path that led us to the sweet water. I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's a path that will lead you to the sweet water. And the sweet water is Jesus Christ. Because at the end of that path is Jesus. And at the end of that path is the one who gives you peace with God. And at the end of that path is the one who gives you peace of God. And at the end of that path, path is the one who can give you peace with men. Because at the end of that path, path is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that I live in, that lives in me. And I don't have peace of what? Peace, I leave you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. Oh man, God is so good. And this morning, we've got three people. We've had a few more, but some things happen. That happens every time. That we got people who are being baptized. And guess what that means? That means they came to a place where they received Jesus Christ and they now have peace with God. They have peace with God. Yes. The old man is gone, died buried and the new man's coming to life. Hey Rick you want to grab somebody grab that cover off there please. They have, they're saying I got peace with God. I've heard the message of Jesus. I've received the message of Jesus and now I have the peace of God. Peace with God which should produce peace of God and peace with men. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask all the candidates to join me up here at the front. You can have a seat right there. This is a special time, isn't it? Come on over here. What's that? Oh no, we don't want you to use your towel. You have to drip dry. You have to drip drip dry. Have a seat over there for a minute. Pastor John, come on up here, man. Give me a hand. If you would grab that mic over there on that chair for me. Kayla, I'm going to ask you to come first, all right? John over here, and he's going to give you a mic and uh, share a little testimony. was a time in my life where I think I lost my way and okay. I'm trying to find my way back. And I, I, want, I want you all to know that I came in this morning for couple minutes late for service and I looked and I didn't see the heater in here and I had a moment of panic and I said oh my it's gonna be it might be cold and then I found out that actually Thomas took it out and I'm thinking oh my goodness it might be cold and then I thought oh I don't have to get in <laughs> listen honey you ain't the first one 
to have lost your way for a season. You're not the first one. I, lots of us have. We've made mistakes. We've lost our way. We, we, we you know, veer off the trail. We veer off the path. The great thing about God is, is he's the one who actually is the one pushing us back to the path. This isn't your decision. This is you responding to the Spirit of God saying to you, hey, come on back. Come on back on the path. Come on back. To the, I still love you. I still got a plan for you. I still got, I still got something for you. He, he, he doesn't want you walking around in guilt. He doesn't want you walking around in shame. He doesn't want you walking around in condemnation. You know what? This is you saying, you know what? I heard that message. I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm coming back to God through Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, Father, I, I, I'm coming and I'm going to baptize Kayla. And, Lord, I thank you of her profession of faith in you. That she knows there was a season where she veered off the path. And sometimes we do that because of things that happen in our life. And we're looking for things and we're looking for stuff. And like the old song, we're looking for it all in all the wrong places. But then we come back to you. And I thank you today that she's saying, you know what, this is a declaration that I'm coming back to Jesus who is the path of peace. And so, Father, because of that profession of faith and the confession of her sin and repentance of that way, we now baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You guys want to come together? Or you want to come separate? Come on. <laughs> Susanna. Come on. We'll do Susanna first. You don't have to. You just say whatever's on your heart. Um, I'm just ready. <laughs> Amen. Huh? You know, short messages are sometimes good. I don't, I don't want to practice that because then people get spoiled. There's a, a, there's a scripture talks about a Susanna in the Bible. Do you know that? Uh, and, and one of the things that she did was interesting. She had, a, she had a, a, um, an encounter with Jesus. And she was one of the women, it tells us, that supported Jesus' ministry. That actually gave money out of her own in support of Jesus. And what am I saying to you? Am I trying to get an offering? No. All right. But what I am saying to you is that you are one like her who is and has been having an encounter with Jesus. And what's going to happen, what he wants to do out of that, is you're going to become one of his chief supporters. Not just, I'm not talking financially, I'm just talking about with your words and your mouth and, and your life, where your, everything about you is going to point towards Jesus. All right? So read up on her something. You believe that? Good, I'm glad. All right? So put this hand here and this one here. Ah, okay. All right? And, and so because of that, because you're, you're kind of like at this place where you're like, okay, this God thing's new, but it's pretty cool. You know? How, how many of you remember that? Like you, got to, you came to Christ and you're like, okay, this is all new. This is weird, but it's pretty cool. This is pretty cool. And God has a, I'm telling you, the, the smile and joy that comes out of you is only going to increase. Why? because it's the presence of Jesus in you that's going to cause it to grow. You know, Moses, this is what the Bible said, that Moses used to come off the mountain. And when he came off the mountain after meeting with God, he had this glow on his face that the people couldn't even look at him. Well, let me tell you what, you're going to have a glow on your face because of interacting with Jesus 
that everybody's going to see and it's going to draw people to him. So Father, I thank you for Suzanne. I thank you for her profession of faith in you. I thank you, Father, for the confession of sin. I thank you, God, that she's saying, I repent. Father, she's saying today, I've heard that message. I believe that message and, and I'm in. I'm in. And so, Father, this day, we baptize her in the name of Jesus. Come on, man. Come on, man. (laughs) See, she's part of that Tyrone section. And next, Dave Miller. Should be on. I just want to say I'm ready to be start my new life. And I'd like to thank Pastor Jim and all of you for showing me what it is to have Jesus as my Savior. It's amazing. I've only been coming here two months. And I felt more of the presence of Jesus in these two months than I ever have in my whole life. I'm ready. You know, he asked me this morning, he said, since he was from the Tyrone section, but I put him in a couple times. I said, no, 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 no. I might, I might hold you in a little longer, but I won't do it a couple times. You know, I, I know those Tyrone people. I married one, you know? You know, I, I was thinking of you this morning, and you're, you're David. And I was thinking about David in the Old Testament. He had some battles, man. Before he was anointed by God to be king, before he ever faced Goliath, he had battles. He had battles with the brothers, Okay. You've had some battles with the brothers, not Rick. No, you know, no, no, Rick's perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. You've had battles with brothers, meaning men. And uh, he had battles with the lion. The Bible tells us he had lion battles with the bear. And those things were trying to destroy him. And you've had your battles with the things that have been trying to destroy you. And the only reason you're sitting here isn't because you were strong or you were smart, but because of the grace of God. And you're here because of the grace of God. And you're coming to that realization and that revelation. And God wants to do an amazing work in you and through you. He took that kid that had battled with the lion and the bear and the brothers. And he put an anointing on him, the Holy Spirit. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that he would then defeat Goliath, who was terrorizing his people. There are people in your life that God's going to call you to rescue. Yeah, I know you're ready. And it's going to happen, listen to me. And what's going to happen is he wants to do that. And it's only going to happen through the Spirit of God who lives in you, okay? And the anointing of God upon your life that he's now going to use you to break the spirit of Goliath off of some people, use you to defeat an enemy, okay, and lead people to victory. Now, I'm going to say something else to you, but but when David did that, there were also a few battles that came at him that he wasn't expecting. And I'm saying to you, when the unexpected happens, don't get discouraged. Don't step backwards. 
but rally. No, listen to me. And I'm going to say something to you. See, David was this kid that God put an anointing on that then cut the head off of Goliath. The Bible says that then the women began to sing a song. When they began to sing a song, this is what it said, that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul became jealous and chased him and became his enemy from that point. That was the unexpected. All of a sudden, Saul's throwing spears at him, trying to destroy him. All he did was operate by the anointing of God. Where did he go? Where did this young kid go at that point? The king I'm serving is trying to kill me. My brothers resent me. He went to a man named Samuel. Samuel was the one who actually anointed him king. God did, but through Samuel. He went to what I call his spiritual father. He went to the one who said, come on, walk with me. I'll protect you from Saul. Walk with me. And I want to say to you that when the unexpected comes and it tries to destroy you, you come to me and I will walk with you. All right. Don't you quit. Don't get discouraged. You come to me and we will walk together. I'm boss here. <laughs> oh, man. Father, thank you for this man's life. Thank you that your grace saved him from the lion and the bear that tried to destroy him. From a past that tried to destroy him. Thank you for the encounter that he's having with you. Thank you for what you want to do in his life and through his life. And Father, today we bury old Dave and we bring to life the new Dave created in your image. So Father, I thank you for his profession of faith. I thank you for the confession of sins and the repentance of them. And so now it's my privilege and my honor to baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Come on, Linz. Come on, church. Stand with me. Let's give God some praise for what we've just seen. I mean, people are just saying, we're in, man. Come on, give them some praise.